born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. And this one day, it says, I cleaned the house. I had both my pockets full of marbles. <laughs> I mean, I, I was so proud. Finally, I won, and I got my marbles in my pocket. <laughs> And I went and I sat down in class and I was just marveling over what a great day this has been. What a wonderful day. And I just slid down in my seat like, ah, oh, you made it. And when I did, all the marbles started rolling out of my pocket and they're rolling down the floor on both sides of my chair, run down the room of the, the whole. And the teachers, what is that? She confiscated every one of my marbles. And I was so innocent. I mean, it, I just always seemed to, you know, on the losing end. I was like that little kid in the, car, in the comic shirt, that, that little cloud that always followed him. Everywhere he went, that cloud would follow him. And he went and realized, is there any daylight out there? <laughs> you know, I don't know if I'm going to finish Psalms 78 at this rate. But anyway, we're, we're, we're having fun. But now look what it, back here it says this. In verse 7, that they might set their hope in God. That is... Why we do what we do is so that they put their hope in God. And we talk about this hope even in the New Testament. It's the joyful anticipation of what God promised he will perform. Whether it's salvation or the peace, joy, and happiness, purpose in life, everything that you want. It's such a wonderful thing. But you're to learn the word of God so that you can teach this one and then they teach this one and then they teach this one. So they'll put their hope, their confidence, their faith in what God says. And the reason you want them to memorize as much as possible is so that uh, they don't forget. They don't forget. You hear something one day, like sometime I'll preach a sermon. Somebody's already asked me, what did you preach on last week? Well, I don't know. We got it wrote down somewhere. I think, I get, I think we gave out some notes. Today, I told Betty, I says, you just need to go home and get you some rest now. So she's okay. She said, what are you preaching on this morning? I don't know. And that's, that's the truth. I cannot recall what in the world I'm preaching on this morning. You say, do you know now? I got my notes in there. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know why. It's just, you know, I hope God doesn't hold me too accountable for all the tiny things that I do forget. Because I say, you know, I do remember a lot. And then for years... Uh, people say, I'm supposed to meet this person on this day at this time and blah, blah, blah. And I had, you know, the school and the college and the ranch ministry and the bus ministry and Sunday school. And, you know, just everything was doing the radio. And, and I never wrote anything down because I could remember. And I hardly ever missed a meeting. 
And I was never late for a meeting because it didn't start until I showed up. <laughs> I like that part of it. But now I, I find out somebody says, uh, do you remember you had a meeting today? I did. <laughs> With who? When? I must not have because I don't remember it. Well, I'm glad y'all are not like me. How many of y'all have, a, a, you consider you've got a pretty good memory? Got a pretty good memory. It's only the women. You notice that? Only the women. This is why most men never have to remember anything because a wife never forgets. <laughs> so, and there was, the, there was the evidence of it. I, I better move on. I'm going to move right around here. But look at this word here in verse 8. Because if you don't learn the word of God and learn how to walk. See, the, the parents are supposed to be the examples of what they're teaching. You ever heard some parents say, uh, you do what I say, not as I do. That don't work. That dog don't hunt. He says here in verse 7, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. In verse 8, and might not be as their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. A generation that set not their heart aright and whose spirit was not steadfast with God. Because God had to deal with them. Remember in the wilderness? Oh, yeah, they all came across the Red Sea and they were all in the wilderness. But God was not pleased with all of them because not all of them pleased God. That's why I wasn't pleased with them because they didn't do what God says do. And so God had to chasten. And for 40 years, they all kept dying off. And isn't it amazing that the length of their life, God determined to a certain extent because of their unbelief? And they all died. And it's amazing that Joshua and Caleb that did go into the land and they did believe the Lord. God kept them alive. And the rest of them died. And they get to go into the promised land. And think of Joshua, how old he was. And you had um, Caleb. He was an old man. He was 85 years old. And he wanted that area where, you know, the giants were. Remember that song that Caleb sung? I want that mountain. I want that mountain where the milk and honey flow, where the grapes of Esco grow. I want that mountain. I want that mountain, the mountain that my Lord has given me with all those giants on it. I want them. <laughs> well, I added that last part into it. You know that little thing that you've got on your tie? It reflects light, like the brightness of the sun, right dead into my eye. Are you doing that on purpose? Every time I look down there. All right, here we are in Psalm 78. Psalm 78, moving right along. And verse 9, the children of Ephraim, uh, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. He divided the sea, caused them to pass through, and he made the waters to stand up as a heap. In other words, the waters standing straight up. And how would you like to walk by? And there's water right there, and it's like jailed. And I believe that they were able just to, oh, I'll take this fish and I'll take that fish. Got on the other side, they had all the food in the world to eat. <laughs> now, there's a, a scripture that kind of gives it that idea, but I ain't going to look at it right now. But now I get what he says. Down here in verse 
14. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud and all the night with a light of fire. Now that's what he did. And that's why when you read in 1 Corinthians in chapter 10, they all were, went through the sea and they all were under the cloud and the pillar of fire. God did the same thing for everybody. What he did for one, he did for everybody. But with some of them, God was not pleased because they were rebellious. And so many of them died from various things. I um, think you ought to just see that. Just hold your place right here. We'll come back here. Look there in 1 Corinthians in chapter, chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Because see, this has to do with the book of Hebrews. Because we're talking to, you know, about the Hebrews, the Jewish people. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 10, now notice what he says. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Did all eat the same spiritual drink? Did all drink the same spiritual drink? Or the meat up here in the other one. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. With many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So we have all this recorded in the Old Testament. Why? So that we don't make the same mistake. You have all these stories of real people and real experiences and the consequences or if they obeyed the Lord how he blessed, and God says, they're examples for you to know how you... This is why he's, he's referring to what they did to these carnal-minded Christians there in Corinth because they were corrupt, these carnal Christians. They were living in the flesh, and they were backbiting and divisions and all these things. He says, that's what happened to them, and he took care of that. So you need to be careful Because God can do the same thing to you. So that's why he warns them. So then he says here in verse uh, 6. Now these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they did. Look in verse 7. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And they weren't playing house. Well, maybe they weren't playing house. But anyway, verse 8. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed. And fell in one day three and twenty thousand. See, all these things because he has to deal with them because there were people in the church having fornication. That they were guilty. And a man with his mother-in-law or stepmother. And so he says, this is not even listed among the Gentiles for somebody to do this wickedness. And you're, uh, you're puffed up about it. Well, we're all under grace. You know, it doesn't matter we're under grace. As though grace is a license to do whatever we want to do. I don't think so. The Bible says grace that brings salvation. Grace also teaches us denying ungodliness. Grace doesn't teach you to be ungodly. It teaches you to be godly. Now, notice what else he says here. Look in verse 9. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Because this is what they did. Now, not everybody did the same thing. But some Fell because of this, and some fell because of something else, and some, something else. You see, Satan doesn't get everybody on the exact same lure with the same bait. He gets you on different things. 
And so he knows what you what it takes, and he can lure you. That's what Satan does. So look what he says. Verse 10, neither murmur ye as some of them also murmur. Now, is Paul going all the way back to the Old Testament and bringing out all these choice illustrations so we won't know how to live today and why we should believe this or believe that? That's what Paul did. So he used Old Testament scriptures. So should we learn the Old Testament? Yes. Learn all of the scriptures. But look what else he said. Verse 11, now all these things happen unto them, see those two words, for examples. And they are written for our admonition, but it doesn't help you if you don't know about them. Upon whom the ends of the ages are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. In other words, see a lot of them, they fell. Can it happen to you? Boy, it'll never happen to me. I'll never fall. Careful, pride. As long as you stay close to the Lord and yield to the Lord and walk with the Lord and stay into God's word and pray and do the right things, yeah, you have a better chance. But you can't guarantee you're not going to fall flat on your face down the road. And it doesn't matter what kind of sin it might be because not everybody will fall the same way. You know, the one sin that we have in our own personal life, um, well, we can't hardly see that one. But we can see that same sin in everybody else's life. They always say, if you live in a glass house, don't what? Don't those don't? No, why? Why? Why take away my stone throwing ability? When I was a kid, we used to play with, you know, slingshots. And we used nice round pebbles that they used to put in concrete. Those were the best. And I loved it whenever they would dump some gravel out there, you know, Oh, man, that was a, you know, a slingshot paradise. You got all the ammunition you need. And you'd load that thing up, and, man, we'd shoot at each other, tried our best to hit them, trying to take them out. <laughs> you say, you can't believe you did stuff like that. Look, we didn't have a lot of money. You didn't buy, you know, Nintendo games, and we didn't have cell phones. <laughs> so, but we had, we had fun. And I don't remember any of us ever getting killed. I mean, we had a few little injuries here and there, but, you know, nothing real bad. But now, as you look at all of this, this is for a reason. Look in verse 13. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. In other words, what you face in life, everybody else is facing pretty much the same thing. You just don't know what I'm going through. Oh, just 99% of all the people on earth. You lost something, bad health. Nobody loves you. And you think, nobody knows what I'm... What do you think? Everybody else is isolated, totally, and nothing ever happens to them? Look what else he says. He says, but God is faithful who will not suffer you or permit you to be tempted above that you're able. So that you don't have to fall. You don't have to yield. Remember, when you fall or you yield, most of the time it's because you chose to. It's a choice. You can choose to do right and you can choose to do wrong. And when you want to do wrong, you'll find a way to justify it and blame somebody else why I did wrong. I did wrong because she made me do it. That's what Adam said. Did it work for him? Man, God still held him responsible. Now, she had some problems, yes. Yeah. I better let it go. <laughs> 
I get, I, I, I get tempted so easy, so, so easy. I mean, it really makes the scriptures come alive. He says, but will with the temptation, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Yeah, life is hard. It's rough. But God will give you the strength and the grace that you need to be able to bear whatever you've got to go through. And sometimes these things are rough. All right, go back here to the book of Psalms. And we've got about two more minutes, but I want to show you this. Notice what it says down in verse 15. He says in verse 15, he, he claved the rocks in the wilderness, gave them drink as out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock, caused water to run down like rivers. This is in the wilderness. I wonder if, if Moses had to get one of those divining rods. You ever seen those people that's got that thing? And Moses was trying to find some water and all of a sudden. <laughs> now, some people swear by that. I have no clue. I don't know if it's good or bad, but I've seen people do it. And it's a drill, drill right here. <laughs> if I did that, I know it wouldn't work. I think the devil's under there and he's got the end of that thing and he's just pulling it down. But anyway, streams in the desert. Look at verse 17. And they sinned yet of all the provision that he gave them. He gave them the food they needed, the drink they needed, the cloud, the light. And they still rebelled against the Lord. And they just witnessed a great miracle of them. The water parted and they going across. And then the water closing and killing all the Egyptians. And all the army that came after. And, and, and then they, they failed to remember. This is why you know God can be so good to you. And then down the road you have something go wrong. And you forget all about how good God's been. And then you're getting mad at God. He doesn't love me anymore. His love doesn't change. He always loves us. And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. They provoked the Lord to anger. And this is why this is used in the New Testament so that we don't provoke God to anger. And by either mocking or making fun of sin. You see, you mock God or you try to when you mock sin. Thinking, I can do it and get away with it, and there's no consequences. <laughs> God says, you're going to reap what you sow. Now, he's patient, and he's loving, but he's going to have to chasten, and he will do so. Now, let me show you something. You're here this morning, and if you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want you to trust him. I want you to understand it. Now, this hand represents you and me. The wallet represents all the bad things that we do. It's our sins. And the Bible says that God loves us, but he hates our sin. Because, see, our sins have to be paid. Since we committed the sin, we have a debt. We have to pay for it. Wages means I earned the right to pay for it. I did it. The wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. So everybody in this room has earned the right to go to hell, but not one person in this room has ever earned the right to go to heaven. But we've all earned the right to be eternally separated from God because we've all sinned and come short of the perfection of God. You see, heaven is perfect. There's no sin in heaven. And God is perfect, and heaven is perfect. And because of sin, see, we can't get in. 
So God says that you cannot save yourself. You can't get there by what you do. So all of our goodness, regardless of how good they may be, God says they're filthy rags. And that you'll never be good enough to go to heaven because that's the perfect place. And so that means you'd have to be perfect here in order to get there. And you don't know anybody like that. So God says you cannot save yourself. So it's not by going to church. It's not by giving money. It's not by promising to stop being bad and you're going to start being good. Or I'm going to get baptized. See, is going to church a good thing? Yes. Being baptized? Yes. All those are good things, but they don't get you to heaven. It's a death payment that God only accepts. Now, this hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. God in the flesh. Jesus Christ came into the world. Now, see, he's perfect. He has no sin. So he doesn't have to die. God can't die. So he came into the world and God used Mary to prepare him a body in which he would live in. And in that body, he would grow up and be tested. And everything you and I were tested in and failed. And he would obey perfectly all the righteous demands of God's law. And in those 33 and a half years that he lived, he never sinned. Never broke a commandment. Pleased the Lord in all things. There was no fault in him. He did not have to die because of anything that he's done. All of us, yes, we do. We deserve to die. He did not deserve to die. So because of his love for us, he could become a substitute for us. He would take our sins. And he took all the sin of all the world upon himself and died on the cross. He was buried and came back from the dead. And God says the only thing you and I can do is to believe. Because you can't be saved by your works. He said, but if you'll trust this payment he made. See, when I say, would you accept the payment he made? Christ was the payment. You were accepting Jesus Christ as your payment for your sin. And so by doing so, he gives to you as a free gift eternal life. And you get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for you. There's no tricks to it. There's no gimmick. Now, if I offered you my wallet and you accept you'd have an empty wallet. If I offered you this microphone and you accept you would have a microphone. Well, if Jesus Christ came in here and offered you eternal life and you accept it, what would you have? Eternal life. And if it's eternal life, it would last forever. And if it lasts forever and all your sins are paid, where would you go when you die? To heaven. So can you know that you're going to heaven before you die? Yes. I have known for 49 years. I'm a little bit older than that. 49 years I know I'm going to heaven when I die. Is it because I'm good? Of course. No. It's not because I'm good. It's because he's good. He loved me. He paid for my sin. Well, he did the same thing for you. Only thing I ever did to go to heaven was to trust Christ as my Savior. I believe he did it for me. And God said, if you'll believe it with all your heart, not trust in anything else. You don't trust you. You don't trust the church. You don't trust the preacher. I can't get you there. You don't trust your good deeds. 
You must trust Jesus Christ and Him alone. And He said He would give you as a free gift everlasting life. And if it's everlasting life, how long would it last? Forever. If it lasts forever and all your sins are paid, where would you go when you die? You get to go to heaven whenever you die. Now that's a gift. That's free. Once you trust Christ as your Savior and you believe that, it might be same day. It might be a week later. might be a month later. might be a year later. might be ten years later. You might decide, I, I need to be baptized. Not to get to heaven, but because you're going there. And it's a step of obedience. Don't let the devil rob you of something that's wonderful and sweet and precious. Because it's an obedience that you know I did what my father wanted me to do. I'm his child. I am not ashamed. But anyway, I hope that that's a decision you have to make. But you need to make it. And remember, no decision is a decision. But I simply want all of God's children to be obedient to the Lord. And that's a good place to start. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed and eyes closed and no one looking around. Friend, I have tried my dead level best to explain this critical issue as best I can. It grieves me deeply when there are so many that trust in their infant baptism as though it has something to do with saving them and getting them to heaven. And no doubt there's a lot of people that say, well, I, I'm going to heaven because I was baptized. Nobody is going to heaven because you were baptized. Did you trust Christ as your Savior? Do you believe he died on that cross that he paid for your sins? Will you trust him and him alone as your only hope of going to heaven? Friend, in just a moment, I'm going to ask for a raise of hand. Raising your hand doesn't save you. But I'd like to know if what I said made sense. I don't know no way to do it except just by asking you. But I'm going to ask you in just a moment to raise your hand to let me know if you will accept Jesus Christ this morning as your Savior. I'm not asking you to join the church. I'm not asking you for money. I'm not asking you to change your life. I'm not asking you to be a religious hypocrite. I'm asking you to be honest and say something like this to the Lord. Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. And I hear and understand and believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ died on that cross and paid for my sins. That he was buried and came back again from the dead. And I believe he did it for me. And I will accept him right now as my only hope of going to heaven. And preacher, I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Is anyone at all this morning say, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. And I'd like for you to pray for me. Just slip it up very quickly and put it right back down. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? If you've already trusted Christ as Savior, you don't have to do it again. But if you've never done so, would you trust Him? I'm not going to embarrass you or point you out. It's over and done with when you make that decision. God knows who you are. Knows that you're trusting Him. And one of all before we close. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, talk to the Lord about being baptized. Not because you have to, but because you want to. It's a step of obedience. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time together. We pray, Lord, your richest blessings upon each person here. 
And Father, I pray that they do understand that water baptism cannot save, doesn't even help. It is a picture of the most important thing in a person's life. It's a picture of the greatest thing that can ever happen to a man, and that's to be saved. To believe that you died, was buried, came back and back from the dead, and that you did it for that individual. Thank you so much for this time together. We ask your blessings upon each family here. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Is it possible to trust Christ as my Savior without making Him Lord of my life? Is it true that if Christ is not Lord of all, He is not Lord at all? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or write by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Jesus is coming, so keep looking up. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.